in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we excited to be in the house of the Lord? The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. We are continuing with what we started last week about what legacy will you leave behind. And I think it's a challenge to all of us to say when we are living in this world, we must live to the maximum impact that God has intended with our lives. We said, how will you be remembered after you depart? What legacy will you leave behind? And what impact are you making? Those are personal questions that each one of us should take. Even when I said, let's pray for this coming Saturday, for the outreach, you need to be saying, what is my role in that? When we say anything, you need to be asking yourself, am I making a difference? Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 3 to 6 ERV, <coughs> will somebody read for us, Sister Mashuru, do you want to, to stand in place of Mr. MJ? Uh, <coughs> Ecclesiastes 6, 3 to 6, I will read this one myself and then you can read the next one so that we are there together. It says, a man might live a long time and have 100 children. But if he is not satisfied with those good things, and if no one remembers him after his death. That's the part that I talked about. I say that a baby who dies at birth is better off than that man. It is senseless when a baby is born dead. The baby is quickly buried in a dark grave without even a name. The baby never saw the sun and never knew anything. But the baby find more rest than the man who never enjoyed what God gave him. He might live 2,000 years, but if he does not enjoy life, then the baby who was born dead has found the easiest way to the same end. You hear that verse? It's a challenge for all of us to say when we are living here, it's not just about eating food and sleeping, eating food and sleeping, going to work, what impact are we making? Because when God created each one of us, he brought us here on earth for a specific reason. There is a reason why you are at Jesus the Savior Church, even at this moment. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, NIV says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it means God created us as if he was doing a handiwork. Created us for a special purpose. And it says we are created for good works. That when we are here on the earth, we must do those works that God created us to do. I said to you last week, the reason why you came here on earth, there is something special that needs you. The reason why you are at Jesus the Savior Church at such a time as this, there is something special that needs you. Amen? So I, the challenge that I'm bringing to all of us, let's read Ecclesiastes, so Sister Mashudu, Ecclesiastes 9.10, because the time to do your best is here in this world before you depart. After going to the grave, there is no more work. You cannot excel after death. You need to do your best now. You need to serve the Lord and do your best now. You need to love the Lord with all your heart now. Amen. Read for us Ecclesiastes 9.10. Okay, I will read it if you don't have it yet. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Tell your neighbor whatever your hand finds to do. Do it with all your might. For in the grave there is no more work. In other words, you can't reserve the energy for the grave. Do everything that you believe God wanted you to do here on the earth. 
So make an impact when you are still alive. Serve God with all your heart. Be a blessing to as many people as you can. Do the best that you can for the work of the Lord. And know that we are here for a period. But when the time to go comes, will God be able to say, well done you good and faithful servant? Because sometimes you find even when you come to church, you just come to church accompanying others. You come to church because if I don't come to church, somebody will ask me. But did you really have an encounter with the Lord? Because the other issue that we have these days, people come to church, people know pastors, people know people, but they don't know Jesus. And sometimes you would even find, whether it's in television station when people are preaching, usually it's names of people or what we do. And it's less about what Jesus does. We've got to introduce people to Jesus. Because it's only in Jesus that you can find your purpose for living. It's only in Jesus that you can find your purpose for living. Because your manufacturer is the one who knows why you have come on earth. God is the one who knows why you are at Jesus the Savior at such a time as this. So I want to make this challenge. And we're going to read it in the book of 2 Timothy. Sister Mashudi, you'll do it in the NIV this time. 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8, NIV. But the challenge I'm bringing to all of you is that when the time to depart comes, will you be able to say, I have done everything I needed to do? Will you be able to say, I've done my best? Will you even say, my life, I've got a relationship with the Lord that even on the other life, I know I'll spend eternity with the Lord. Amen. Because sometimes we live as if things end here. But there is an eternity to spend with God. And also in our relationship with God, we should never anymore be serving God because of what people will say. We should be serving God because we love him with all our heart and we've got an encounter with him. Now listen to what Paul said at the end of his journey. And this is my desire and this is the desire that I believe every Christian should desire to speak words like this when your time to depart has come. Read for us 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8 NIV. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I like this. I like people who live with a purpose. Because he says, I'm now poured out like a drink offering. In other words, everything about me should be poured out. I can't go to the grave still remaining with something. And he says, the time of my departure is near. So it was like, he says, it's time now to move to the other side. Continue. I have fought the good fight. Okay. I have, I have fought the good fight. Are you fighting a good fight? Next. I have finished the race. I have finished the race. I told you that don't depart before you finish your assignment on the earth. There are things to do. You need to say, I still need to do that. I still need to do that. Especially for the kingdom of God. Continue. I have kept the faith. He says, I have kept the faith. Are we keeping the faith? You know, there are many things that will challenge you. Either challenge you so that you can go back to the world and say, it's better back in Egypt. Keep the faith. Amen. We are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but we keep the faith. Some of the things that would make us go back, even when you are believing God for something, challenges will come and keep on mounting and put pressure on you so that you must give up. I'm saying keep the faith. Amen. He says, I have kept the faith. I remember when, Paul, when um, Jesus said to Peter in the book of Luke, he says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift some of you like wheat. Satan has asked permission to torment some of you and put you under pressure. He says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. That's why even when we are under pressure, we need to pray for one another that your faith may not fail. Because if your faith doesn't fail, you will not be defeated. Amen. So he says, I have kept the faith. Are you keeping the faith? 
Are you keeping the faith? I want you to think of faith in two ways. Keeping the faith to say I will remain a Christian no matter what. But secondly, also keeping the faith to say whatever you trust in God for, keep the faith. Don't give up. Amen? Amen. Because I want to pick this other thing. On the things that we can be remembered for. You can remember for by big business or many other things and successes in life, which is good. But I believe the best things, thing you can be remembered for is your faith in God. Amen? Amen. What, don't, don't you think, and some of us actually find that in our generations, maybe you are the first one in your family to know God, to know Jesus. And it means generations to come when they refer back, they will say, we got this from the old man, so and so. By then they will be referring to you as an old man. They say, we got this from granny, so and so. By then they will be referring you to granny. As granny. Amen? Amen. So look at the Second Timothy chapter 1. We'll do it in the New King James Version. Second Timothy 1, 3 to 7. So for me... When I say what legacy will you leave behind? You can leave a legacy, I will also touch on that, on what you have done here on the earth to be a benefit to people, to be a benefit to the kingdom of God, to be a benefit even in the house of the Lord like when you are now in Jesus the Savior Church. But you can also leave a legacy of faith. Amen? Amen. For me, I can be successful in many things here on the earth. But the one thing that I want to always be associated with is that I have kept the faith. Amen. Second Timothy 1, 3 to 7, New King James Version, Sister Mashudu. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. Mm. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. I start there. I want to start there. He says, I thank God whom I serve with my pure conscience as my forefathers did. So you can see that he was serving God, but there were others who served God before him. His forefathers and he took on the baton. Continue. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Mm -hmm. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Do you have a genuine faith in you? Do you have a faith that even when it's tested by fire, it will be refined like gold? Because if your faith is not genuine, when it's tested by fire, you quit. If your faith is not genuine, you will only do things for the sake of people. But if your faith is genuine, you know I'm doing this for God. So he says, I call you to remember as the genuine faith that is in you. Mm -hmm. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Okay, do you see? Do you see the legacy that Grandma Lois, let's all say Grandma Lois. Grandma Lois. Okay. So, ladies, can you also be referred to like that? Generations to come, they say, this faith that we see in this young man reminds us of the faith that was in grandma, so and so. And then, your mother, Eunice. You see, grandma, mother, Eunice, now that faith is in you. He says, and I'm persuaded that this faith is in you also. Amen. So, like I said, there is something special in you and bless us with whatever God has bestowed upon you. So that's why verse 6, read verse 6. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Okay, he says I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Tell your neighbor there is something special in you. There is something special. There is something in you which we want you to discharge here on the earth. Tell your neighbor that. There is something in you which we want you to discharge here on the earth. That special gift. Stir it up. Amen. Tell your neighbor, stir it up. Okay, let me give you a simple illustration. 
Those of you who know fire, wood, when you make fire with wood, okay? After the, the flames, after that you will find the, what do we call? It's not charcoal, yeah. So Africans, we can call it charcoal, but it should have a name because I'm saying those things that after you burn it, yeah, it's mahare, but what is it in English? Huh? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So, if you look at that, when it's still red, it's saying, I've got a potential. When you blow on it, you're stirring it up. And then you can see the ability that it has. But if you leave it like that, it will end up dying down. So he says, when I, I want you to stir up the gift that is in you. In other words, there is something in you that might lie dormant. But you need to stir it up. Amen. Each day you need to ask yourself, what impact am I making? Each day you need to say, what legacy am I building? How will I be remembered after death? Amen. And then, some of us, when we have faith, pass it on to your children. Pass it on. Leave that to your children and may they also be a blessing. May your family be known as the family of faith. Amen. I want the Mukosis to be known as people of faith. Abna, I'm leaving a legacy. You need to take over the legacy. Blessing, you guys must continue. And let's be known as people of faith. Let's be known as people who came on earth and make an impact. And God will say, well done, you good and faithful servant. That's the blessing of saving the Lord wholeheartedly. People here on the earth will acknowledge the impact you're making, but the Lord himself will also say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Listen to this in Genesis 18:19. Authorized King James, I'll read it. Because God... When he has entrusted us with something, he also wants us to pass that over to our children, to the generations to come. Let me remind you, especially for Africans, some of us, when we grew up, in the evening when we were spending time, our grannies would be doing myths and riddles and sarungano, 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 una mini mini, sarungano. At least they were giving us something. But it's just that Sarungano doesn't bring anything. So can you, who now know God, use the Sarungano time for sharing scriptures with your children? That your children will know the word from the time they are still growing up. By the way, sometimes you find a person grown up, the person has been a grown up person, but they don't even know how to open their Bibles. But then we need to start with our children, even when they're still young. Training them up in the ways of the Lord. Because we have received this, and we've got this legacy that we want to pass on to our children. He says in Genesis 18, 19, authorized King James Version. For I know him, he was talking about Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which has spoken of him. He says, I know him. I know Abraham that he will pass on the legacy of faith. I know Abraham that he will teach his children and his children after him. Can God have that confidence in you? What are you teaching your children? And I think this is even a greater challenge for fathers. As a father, you like a title to be called, you are the head of the family. What legacy are you building then? Because it's your decisions will also have impact even on people after you. Okay? Some of the things we do now, they impact on people that are coming after us. Okay? You can build a legacy of faith and be a blessing to your children and generations to come. But you can also live in a way that put people after you in trouble. 
And if children were to choose which families they should be born at, some of you would not be chosen as parents. So you need to be saying, I'm so much of a blessing that all children on earth would have wanted to be born in my family. And I discharge that which God, the gift that God has placed upon me. I diligently love the Lord with all my heart. But look at this example in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Good news translation. 2 Kings 4, 1. Somebody <laughs> left a bad legacy. And this is not the kind of legacy I want you to leave. Okay? Because I told you that your decisions and the way you live does not only affect you. It also affects generations to come. So if I say what legacy are you leaving behind, leave something that generations to come will feel excited about. You remember the other time I told you the advantage of being born again? I said when I'm born again, if there is something in the Mukosi family that is an inheritance, and they say I'm a Mukweo, okay? <laughs> And uh, the other time I heard people saying there's a land that needs to be claimed there around Livubu and that if they were ever land. And I thought, yeah, I can also queue there. Because that's a good heritage. But if they say in the Mukosi family there is diabetes or high blood pressure, hypertension, do you think that's a good heritage for me to take? Uh -uh. Then I take the advantage of being born again. Then I say, no, now I'm born again. Then I say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away and all things have become new. By the way, some of you, you allow people almost to deceive you by saying, we want to break a curse even after you are born again. Because when you are born again, you are a child of God. You are not half a child of God. You are a brand new person in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. If you serve God diligently. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. You are freed from whatever curse. Because now you are a child of God. Okay. I thought let me just pass that. Because sometimes you will find you are born again and you think your salvation is a half salvation. It's not the same with other people's salvation. Because you were so much bad, you did this and this and this. In your family they were like this. No, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Actually they say the original Greek rendition of that new creation, it means a new species of being. But someone, a new species of being. So which means... It's a species that never existed before. So they can't claim whatever you did before you accepted the Lord. You are a new person now. You are not a renovation. So that's why I'm saying, if you now accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, all things become new. But then, look at this man in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. And I tell you, this is not the kind of legacy you must leave behind. Good news translation. The widow of a member of a group of prophets went to Elisha and said, Sir, my husband has died. As you know, he was a God-fearing man. Okay. Can but we all say this man was a God-fearing man? But listen to what follows. But now a man he owed money to has come to take away my two sons as slaves in payment for my husband's debt. Let's all say he was a God-fearing man. But he was in debt. Let's say it. He was a God-fearing man. But he was in debt. And now he died before paying his debts. That's not the kind of legacy you must leave. Because you see now what's happening to this woman. The creditors are coming to say... If you can't pay, lady, we are going to take your children to be our slaves. Amen. So I'm saying whatever decisions, however way that you are living, it affects generations to come. So can we be a blessing 
to those that are coming after us? Can we leave them a good heritage, a good inheritance, even material thing? Leave them for them, okay? Do good and be a blessing even to generations to come. But the greatest legacy that you should leave, which is a heritage, I said is the heritage of faith. Amen? You can live a heritage of faith. Listen to this. So, you can live a heritage of faith, but you can also live material things, isn't it? Yeah, be a blessing. Don't eat everything. Invest for some generations also to come. But more so, be a blessing in the kingdom of God. Because that has got a benefit on this earth and in the world to come. Read with me Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, New King James Version. Let's see what good people do. Proverbs 13, 22, NKJV. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Okay. What does a good man do? A good man leaves an inheritance not only for his children, but for his children's children. So it means he has built a legacy. When they say even your faith that we see in you, it was first in your grandmother Louise and in your mother Eunice. Now it's in you also. So how will you be remembered after death? What impact are you making? What legacy will you leave behind? These three questions are personal questions. You don't ask this and ask somebody to ask those questions and ask them for them. It's about each one of us. Because there's a reason why we came here on earth. And there's a reason why you are here at such a time as this. Tell your neighbor there's a reason why you are here for such a time as this. God knew that you would be here. God brought you here for a specific purpose. Be a blessing even when you are here among us. I want you us to look at another man. Let's go to the book of Ezra. Especially when we are starting to also think about building the Lord's house. I like it that firstly where we are now with the tent where we are now. I think it's already a step in the right direction. But I'm looking for that nice building. The good building. Chairperson of the building committee, where are you, Mr. Mungufara? You're not around? Okay, then I'll come to you, Mr. Netanjian. So, looking at the, that, I heard you guys want to also put a, to make a big billboard here, so, so that at least we keep on looking at that as a vision. But ultimately, we want to be in that place. And we also want to be counted as part of history. Okay? And we can leave a legacy also for generations to come. And you know I was part of that. Now look at this. Ezra chapter 1. Verse 1 to verse 6 in the New Living Translation. To show you that when we are here on the earth, we can do something for generations to come for our children's children. In other words, that's about your family. But we can also do something for the kingdom of God. Amen. I said you can do something for your children and your children's children. A good man lives an inheritance. So there's something that you need to do for your children and your children's children. But there are also things that you should do for the kingdom of God. There are also things that you do just between you and God. So in this one. Let's look at this, Ezra chapter 1, 1 to 6, New Living Translation. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put, his proclama to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. Okay, he stirred the heart of Cyrus. Did you, where did you hear this word, stirred? today. Stay up in Timothy. Didn't you see that word? Yes. Stay up the gift that's in you. 
And I told you there is something in you that needs to be stirred up. So now the Lord stirred up the heart of Cyrus. So sometimes you find that there is something that the Lord lays in your heart and you want to do this. There is something that the Lord in your, stays in, lays in your heart, you want to pray for somebody. Do that. There is something the Lord lays in your heart, you want to bless somebody even financially. You want to do something for the church, do it. When you are stirred, when you are moved to do something, it's not even about others. It's about, I have this burden in my heart. I want to do this. So it says, he stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation. Continue, verse 2. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. I like this. I like people who know what the Lord has called them for. He says, the Lord has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Can we say the Lord has appointed us to build him a church in Erste River? Yeah. And we must be bold about that. And say we are here at such a time as this. Continue verse 3. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem and Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in I, Jerusalem. I like this voluntary offering for the temple of God. Can we all say voluntary offering for the temple of God? In other words, I do this from my heart. I do this under no obligation. Because I really want to see, David says, I want to see the Lord's house being built. So, I have put this aside. Continue, verse 6. Verse 6. Yeah. Okay. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock. They gave them many valuable, valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. Yeah. They were giving and giving and giving. There's actually something in the book of Exodus. It says people were asked to give. They gave to an extent that they said, we are stopping you. Please don't bring any more. It's just too much. It's because people were doing it with all their hearts. People were saying, we want to make a difference. The Lord has blessed us to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. And the thing with God is that you can never outgive God. When you do that, it's almost like a person who's planting a seed. When you plant one seed, it germinates and it gives more crops. You plant ten, it becomes hundredfold. And that's why the Bible says, there are those who give and keep on getting more and more plenteous. But there are those who withhold more than is meat and it leads them to poverty. Amen? So, can we go to Ezra 3, 8 to 13, NLT? I just want to show you that even in the house of the Lord, like I said now, <clears throat> each one of us can play a role and you can leave an impact, you can make an impact. Because the people that I'm going to read here, and even a certain family, is people who were known just for their building the house of the Lord, rebuilding the temple of God in Jerusalem. So, verse 8 to 13. The construction of the temple of God began in, in mid-spring. During the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. Okay, so the Bible talks things like, like what we still experience. So they even give the time. They said the construction of the temple began in mid-spring. I don't know when will we begin, but they began in mid-spring. Mm -hmm. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, mm -hmm. including Zerubbabel, son of Sheltel, mm -hmm. Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, mm -hmm. and his fellow priests and all the Levites. Yes. The Levites, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. Mm -hmm. 
The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Yeshua with his sons and relatives and Kadmiel and his sons, all descendants of Hodavia. You see, these people are just mentioned here because they played a significant role in the rebuilding of the Lord's temple. And they even made it to the Bible. Okay? I know, Pastor Joseph, and you always used to like saying, I want to live a life in a way that if the Bible were to be rewritten again, then I would, my name would be there. Amen? So it means you say, let me also make an impact. Because the people that we are reading about here, they were people just like us. But they were fully committed to God, and when there was an opportunity to be a blessing, they did and served God with all their heart. Continue. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Henadad. You see, by the family of. So even your family, even serving God as a family is good. Actually, it's, it's a good thing where you are serving God also as a family. I know that some of you, it will just be you for now. But keep on trusting God that your relatives will also get born again. Some of you, maybe you are a, a wife, you are in church. The husband is not in church, he's not yet in the Lord. Keep on praying for that husband. So that we can serve God as a family. Even our children, let's pray for them. So that we can serve God as a family. Continue. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. So these people were excited just to build the house of the Lord. It's exciting. Continue. With praise and thanks, they sang the song to the Lord. He is good. His faithful love for Israel enjoys forever. Enjoys forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple has been laid. Amen. So I like this, that we should be excited about the work of the Lord. We should be excited about the building of the Lord's house. That we say, I'm excited at this because the temple of the Lord has been laid. The foundation for the temple of the Lord has been laid. And I know I'm part of this. And I'm also laying up, when I do this, I'm laying up treasures in heaven. Because, by the way, I told you that we can't live like everything ends here. It's good to be successful here on the earth. But it's even better to be successful on earth and also store up treasures in the kingdom. Knowing that even when you depart, the Lord will say, well done, you good and faithful servant. So, it seems like the Lord, when he has given us an opportunity to do something, Let's do it with all our hearts. Let's do it wholeheartedly. Let's do it because we love him. You know the Bible says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Why? Why doesn't the Bible just say, you must love the Lord with all your heart? It says you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, love the Lord your God with everything in you. Love the Lord your God with everything you have. Amen. You know that sometimes, <laughs> I know some people usually love the Lord, and they will say, no, yeah, I will pray all the time, and all the spiritual things I can do, but not material things. So you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything about you. Amen. And not let anything compete with God for your love. Not let anything compete with God for your uh, affection. You remember the other time I was saying, don't let other things become gods in your life. Because whatever you love the most, that becomes your God. Okay. Let's Put this one before I share just one part as we prepare to learn. First Chronicles 28.10. Because I want, in the Good News Translation, I want us all to think about this. 
that as we want to leave a legacy of faith in our families and pass this to our children, as we want to leave an inheritance for our children and our children's children, but there there is also an impact we can make in this life. When we get an opportunity to be a blessing, we take the opportunity with both hands. First Chronicles 28.10, good news. You must realize that the Lord has chosen you to build his holy temple. Now do it and do it with determination. <laughs> Repeat. You must realize that the Lord has chosen you to build his holy temple. Now do it and do it with determination. Amen. So in other words, the opportunity that has come your way, do it and do it with determination. He says you must realize that the Lord has chosen you to build his temple. I'm excited that I'm going to be part of building the Lord's house. I'm going to be part of building the Lord's temple. But I want to do it with all determination and I'm doing it because I love God. Amen. So I want to link this with when we're going to give. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11 in the NIV. And I want to show you that when you do something for the Lord, it's not a loss. You are acknowledging that it is God who has given you power to get wealth. You are acknowledging that it is God who gave you a healthy body to be able to work. You are acknowledging that it is God who has blessed you even with the job you have. Amen. To say, I can serve God with everything I have. I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-11 NIV. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let's start there. So, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I like the words that are used here. Sparingly means it's compared to what you have. Amen. Generous also is compared to what you have. God is not expecting you to give something that you don't have. You remember the scripture we read earlier? It says, the gift that is in you, stir that up. Something that God has given you. That's what God is expecting you to serve him with. So he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Continue. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, yeah. not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It says each of you should give what you have what? Decided in your heart to give. You remember we even made, when we were making some pledges to say what we will do and all that, it was from your heart. You say, I want to do this for the Lord. Each of you should do as you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So you should never feel forced to serve God. You should never feel forced to give. You should never feel forced to pray. You should never feel forced to do something for God. Do Something for God because you love God with all your heart. When somebody is doing something out of love, it becomes a blessing. But when you are doing something grumbling, it's not a blessing at all. You know, I used to like giving this example. Again, it's an African example when we grew up. If the parents are sending you and you keep on grumbling, Let's say you have three children, and they send you, oh, and you still go. You know what they used to do? They will decide no longer to send you. They send others. And when you want to go, they say, I know, you are a special child, sit down. You, 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 you don't get sent. Okay? You know what they were doing? They were saying, if somebody wants to go, I don't want people to serve me 
grudgingly. So similarly, do you think God is happy when you, you go, but oh, oh, this thing, oh, it's not fair. Every time, oh, this, this, this. You're doing it for God. Amen. So do it cheerfully. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So in other words, God knows that when I'm doing something for him, my labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever I sacrifice for his kingdom, it will never go unnoticed. It's like you've decided you've come to church today. Some people didn't come to church. So obviously when you have come to church, may the Lord reward you for the time that you spent here. Because you've planted a seed. You are here expecting to receive from God. May God minister to you in a special way. And the good thing is that when your heart is in the things of God, God will be working behind the scene to make things for you. You know Isaiah 45 says God works behind the scenes. So, as I'm serving God with all my heart, that's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things that the Gentiles are seeking after will be added to you. So as I'm serving God with all my heart, God has not forgotten about my needs. Tell your neighbor, as I serve God with all my heart, God has not forgotten about my needs. I am blessed to be a blessing. Amen. And as we wind down, I want you to reflect personally on your own, on those three questions. And I want to pitch them in a way that every time you need to be thinking about this. So that the words that Paul spoke in Second Timothy, when he says, I'm now being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have completed my race. I have kept the faith. So if you live a purposeful life, you will be able at the end of your journey to look back and count how you lived. But if you just live like that man in Ecclesiastes, which says a man might live many, many years and even have 100 children, and then you are not remembered after you leave this earth. It says a baby born at death is better off than you. It says that baby didn't even have a name. But she didn't have an opportunity to make an impact. You have an opportunity. That's why you are still alive today. You have an opportunity. And it's not late yet. And I'm challenging this, even challenging those of you who have not as yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because where we read, it says, it is in Jesus that we find what we are here for. So your purpose for existence, the purpose of your existence is found in your maker. It's found in your creator. There is something that God created you to come and do here on the earth. But bottom line for all of us, we were created for good works. Amen? Amen. But now, we will account on how we lived here on the earth. Some of us, we are given two talents. Let's start with one. You remember the story of talents? Yeah. It says, a certain man called his servants. And then to one he gave one talent, to another one he gave two, to another one he gave five. And he said, occupy till I come. I love those words. Occupy till I come. Ask your neighbor, are you occupying? Are you keeping the Lord's space? Because, you see, if you don't occupy the territory for the Lord, the enemy will take it. You need to occupy till he comes. You need to say, I want to, I'm entrusted with this. And I want to occupy, I want to take charge. I'm created to take dominion on the earth. Because God says, let them have dominion. Let them be like us. Let's create them to be like us. Now, the one with one talent, the one with two, went and benefited two more. The one with five went and 
made five more. How many do you think was expected from the one with one? One. Because he knows your ability. Amen. He knows your ability. But he is not saying because you have only one, then I expect nothing from you. He says, I've given you one. I want to see how you profit, how you benefit in the kingdom. Amen. Even as we are here, we don't all have the same role, even in the church. We don't all have the same role, even in the communities. But whatever space that you are in, brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner. Brighten the corner where you are. Amen. Do your part in this life. Whether you are given one talent, the Lord is expecting you to bring one more. If you were given two, he's expecting you to bring two more. If you were given five, he's expecting you to bring five more. So, the questions that I asked that's what I'm saying as we conclude. When we say, how will you be remembered? It's about what people will think about you. It means when you are here on the earth, there are things that you should do for people. You need to be a blessing to people. Okay? Then we said, what legacy are you leaving behind? In other words, what are you building? What legacy are you building? And I said, the greatest legacy, heritage that you can leave, is a heritage of faith. Because that will last even for generations to come. And by the way, if somebody has faith, they can have everything. <laughs> okay, let me give you this example. It's a story, but we, 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 we are landing anyway. I don't know if it's true, a true story, but it's a good story. They say there was a certain rich man he had a lot of wealth. Okay? When he was going to die, he thought, I want to give, I love this boy of mine, I want to give him a special gift. I want to give him the greatest gift for his life. He will be made for life if he get that wealth. So he wrote whatever heritage and put it in the Bible. And then, when he was about to depart, he said, my son, this is the best gift I wanted to give you. Hoping that the son was going to read and study the Bible and find the treasure. Now the son thought, is this the best you can do? Is this the best you can do? Then he was angry. And he did not read that Bible. Remember, about three weeks ago, we said the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which when a man has found, he goes and sells everything he has to get to buy that treasure. Because the good thing with the treasure in the word is that in God's word, we get saved. You accept Jesus through the word. In God's word, you get healing. In God's word, you get financial breakthrough. In God's word, you get peace. In God's word, you get protection. Do you think there's any treasure that is as precious as God's word? Because all these other things of the world, they may answer a certain need, but they don't answer all the needs. So the greatest treasure you can have is the word of God, and then the greatest heritage you can pass on is the heritage of faith. Because anybody who has faith, they can have everything through their faith. That's why the Bible says, all things are possible to him who believes. So when I have faith, I can have everything. In other words, even if I don't have something in the natural, but I can have it as long as I have faith. So this, I'm encouraging all of you, beloved, 
to say, treasure your relationship with God above everything else. If you have not as yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That you will have a relationship with him. That you will start having a legacy that you can build, a heritage of faith that you can pass on. But also we should love the word of God. We should spend time in God's word. Spend time in prayer. And by the way, some of the impact that you will make, people may not know that it's you. Okay? Again, let me give you this other example. They say, this one I think is just a story. So they say there was a, a pastor and a certain old lady and uh, they had died now, they were going before the Lord, and the Lord was giving crowns. And there were two crowns left. There was this big, beautiful crown, and an average crown. What do you think was going through the mind of the pastor? The big one is the pastor's one, is the big boss. Uh, the old lady, uh, I think she should be satisfied with an average crown. And they say, that story says, and God took the big crown, the valuable crown, then gives it to the old lady. The pastor was surprised. The pastor asked the question, but this is unfair. This lady, she never even came to the front. She did nothing. I was doing everything, all the the, the, the evangelistic things were done by me. I was the only one preaching. I did everything. Now you reward her like this. And the Lord said, you were successful because this woman was the one who was praying for that ministry. Amen. Amen. So she should get the greater crown, isn't it? Yeah, because she was working behind the scene. So it's not always that the impact you will make, people may not always credit you for the impact you are making. But do it anyway because the Lord who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. 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 The Lord who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. Because sometimes when we do things and people don't always appreciate, we get discouraged. But if you're doing it for people, then you will get discouraged. But if you're doing it for God, actually Jesus says, when you do something for God, and people don't, because if people give you a reward, he says you have already received your reward. Do it in secret so that your heavenly father will bless you openly. Amen? Amen. So there are many things that we can do for the Lord. Some people may not see, but the Lord knows it's you doing it. So I'm just encouraging all of us to say, starting with those who have not as yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can only build the legacy of faith if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now you find your purpose in life. Because we can only have our purpose when we are connected to our maker. And then live to the most of your potential. And by the way, sometimes we get discouraged because people close to us are not always serious. How many of you know that when we face the Lord, you face the Lord as an individual? Even if you are a twin with somebody else, you face the Lord as an individual. And the example to show that we face the Lord as individuals, that's why even when you depart, you depart alone. Imagine your husband is going to die or your wife is going to die and she says, let's go. <laughs> she will say, I, <laughs> you can go alone. So, which means each one of us, there will come a time when you have to face the Lord personally. So as much as we can do things with others, but we also need to have that personal encounter with the Lord. That I will do things for God. So I want us to stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard. And I want you to reflect on the questions about, Lord, why am I here on earth? How will I be remembered? after I depart? What legacy am I building? And what impact am I making in this life? 
And as you reflect on those and pray before God, if you also feel that, actually, Pastor, I have not even accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I haven't even started. I can hear the many things that you are saying, but I don't even know if Jesus were to come now or if I were to depart this earth. Will I spend eternity with the Lord? I don't know that. I want to pray with you. So it means as we pray, if you want prayer to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come to the fore and I'll pray with you. For the rest of us, we continue praying. And if you think about praying for somebody, pray for them. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, maybe there were things when you were not as serious as you should be. You were getting discouraged because people were not always giving you the credit you think you deserve. 